you think your friends and family would describe you as being risk-averse? And if so, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Truth is, we're all risk-averse. I mean, that's why you don't drive the wrong way down the interstate or swallow some pills you found in the gutter. It's stupid to take unnecessary risk. But usually when people use the term risk-averse, they're talking about people who are so shy about taking any risk that it keeps them from doing important things. Where do you draw the lines of risk in your life? Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Celebrate and honor people who are like Epaphroditus. People who are like Epaphroditus. Now, it's not saying to do this for everyone. Obviously, we should show respect to everyone. We should show love to everyone. Obviously, we should do that. But what Paul's talking about here is a special kind of recognition and honor that goes beyond just the norm. It's reserved for those who are like Epaphroditus. The world honors fame, mostly athletes and performers, regardless of their character. <laughs> they could be criminals, and they'll still, they still honor them. And since we live in this culture, we're going to tend to be like that. We're going to, have, we're going to tend towards celebrityism, and we'll make much of Christian pop singers, you know, and not make much of like missionaries who risk their lives for the gospel. It's going to be our tendency since we live in this culture. We tend to clamor around the talented and the beautiful, and make celebrities out of those who can entertain us or the people who are rich or whatever. But if we do it right, if we don't fall for that, we do it right. We really do try to honor men who are like Epaphroditus. What exactly is it that we're looking for? Who are the Epaphrodituses among us? And what was Epaphroditus like? Well, he's described in verse 25. You've got five words that Paul uses to describe him in verse 25. Brother, worker, soldier, messenger, and minister. All of those are honoring descriptions. Paul's lifting them up. To Paul, he was a brother. He was at Paul's level. They were, they, they were close. And he was also a fellow worker and a soldier. And then to the Philippians, he was a messenger and a, a minister. And both of those words are, the first one is apostolos. We get our word apostle from it. The second one, liturgos. Somebody carrying out a priestly service. The first word is missionary. The second word, priestly minister. That's what Paul sees when he looks at Epaphroditus, which is striking because nobody else is going to see that. Everyone else looks at Epaphroditus. You know, the difference between Epaphroditus and Timothy is, is striking. Timothy's this big celebrated leader. I mean, he's, he's a preacher. He's a teacher. He's an evangelist. He's a church leader. Epaphroditus, you don't see any of that. He's an errand boy. He's making a delivery. Everyone else looks at Epaphroditus and they just see a guy on an errand making a delivery. Paul looks at him and he sees a minister in the priestly service carrying out the most holy work. That's a great lesson for us when we think of what's mundane and what's exalted in ministry. A lot of us have tasks in ministry that seem mundane because it's just a support role. Well, support roles in the church are tremendously important and Paul shows us that with Epaphroditus. So all of that, that's the description. That's what he was like in verse 25. But as wonderful as all that is, that's not why we're told to honor Epaphroditus. Actually, that stuff that's in verse 25, that's true of all of us to some degree. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're all working and laboring to some degree. We're all soldiers. We're all involved in spiritual warfare, so we're soldiers. 
all Christians are carrying out priestly service in the God's temple because we're a kingdom of priests, right? So that's true of all of us. What was it that made Epaphroditus worthy of such special honor? One word. Risk. Risk. Look at verse 29. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy. Honor men like him. Why? Why do we honor him, Paul? Verse 30. Because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life. That's what calls for the honor. We are all brothers and sisters and workers and soldiers and all that, but, but it's one thing to do all that. It's another thing to put your life on the line to do all that. The word translated risking, it literally means to expose to danger. To expose yourself to danger. And that's tough for us because we're wired to do the opposite of that, right? A huge amount of our life is made up of protecting ourselves from danger. That's just what we do. That's why we look both ways before we cross the street. That's why we slow down when the roads get icy. It's why we lock our doors and buy insurance and watch our step and put on gloves and a thousand other things that we do all through the day to protect ourselves, minimize risk. But every once in a while, something happens that's so important, it's more important than our personal safety, and then we stop worrying about protecting ourselves because we want to run after that thing. For example, normally you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to step out into busy traffic. It's too dangerous. But if your toddler runs out in the street, suddenly you're not concerned about danger. You're running out there. You're going to save his life. Normally you wouldn't want to touch thorny bushes without gloves. But if, if, if you have to save someone, someone's life is at risk and you've got to save their life, then you'll get the cuts, whatever scrapes you need to get, right? So... We put ourselves at risk when there's a good enough reason to put ourselves at risk. There's nothing honorable about risk for the sake of risk, right? Just, just to get an adrenaline rush. That, that can be foolish. What is honorable is when you take risks and expose yourself to danger in order to serve someone else's interests because you're serving Christ. That's what's honorable. That's what Epaphroditus did. That's what we need to honor and imitate. Some of you, you can do this. You're not having to carry a bag from here to Rome, but you've been hurt bad in the past in a church. And now you have to face the question, are you going to go focus on protecting yourself? Or are you willing to expose yourself to the danger of being hurt again for the sake of the ministry of the gospel? Some of you may be sitting on your spiritual gift because you're afraid to commit to anything, you know, you, you're just you're right, because you're right now. Your your future is just so uncertain. Your job is you don't know. You want to wait and see. I just got to see what's going to happen with my job, you know, and, I, and how things are going to shake out. And you're waiting to find out what's going to happen with your family situation and how that's going to sort out. And you're waiting to get a little better lay of the land. And you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting for all this stuff because you're thinking, what if I commit and then and then things change. You know, what if I commit and then, and then it's hard? Or what do I commit and then it's this? Thing? And, and, and you see all these commands in Scripture. You see it, you know, serve, uh, wash the feet. Jesus said, I wash the feet. You follow my example. You wash the feet of the saints and use your spiritual gift and function as a part of the body and do your calling and all that stuff. And you, you hear all that, you see all that, but you can't bring yourself to do it because there's just too many uncertainties. Too much risk. And just so we want to insulate ourselves to the point where there's no risk. You know, we want to insure ourselves against anything. So, so, so we don't do anything unless all our bases are covered ahead of time. And how often are all your bases really going to be covered ahead of time? 
So, so that's the way we just naturally function. That's kind of built into us. And so to overcome that, what we need is heroes like Epaphroditus that we can watch and be inspired by. And like I said before, I don't know if Epaphroditus could teach or preach or sing or write or lead or any of that, but if a delivery needed to be made to Rome, he would risk his life to get it done. There's a ministry need out there. No matter how mundane it seemed to Epaphroditus, it was, if it affected the ministry of the gospel, that's like a toddler in the traffic. It is big. It is never mind about safety. This is important. I'm going to get it done. Honor men like that. Honor women who are like that. Honor kids who are like that. Let those people be our heroes so that we cultivate a culture in the church that that nurtures that, and we all start to imitate it. In the early church, there was a group of people who took this command very literally, and they had Epaphroditus as their hero. They called themselves the Parabolani, and they took took a word out of this verse. It was all based on this verse. The Greek word translated risk in this verse is paraboluomai. They called themselves the Parabolani, the risk-takers, the risk-takers. And they were just all about taking risks for the gospel. They, 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 they made it their mission to unhesitatingly, unflinchingly, boldly proclaim the gospel in any circumstance, regardless of risk. And they, they put their life on the line. One example, they would minister to people who had infectious diseases. People nobody would go near. During the great pestilence of 252 A.D., this group went out and cared for the sick and buried the dead, the corpses that nobody else would touch because of the, because of the plague. Even their enemies, they would bury their bodies to show them honor. Those people are heroes. They're, let them be our heroes. It's inspiring to read church history, just read about these people. Some other people that come to mind in church history, the Moravians. The Moravian church began with John Huss, who refused to stop preaching the gospel, and so they burned him alive in 1415. Then in 1732, a couple of Moravian missionaries became so passionate about getting the gospel to the slaves, the African slaves, they just they were just driven by that. We've got to get the gospel to them. And so they tried to sell themselves into slavery just so they could get on the slave ship to share the gospel with these slaves. Now, it didn't work out because they wouldn't take them as slaves because they were white, so they, they didn't allow it. But they did manage, finally, to, to reach those slaves at great cost to themselves. They found a way to do it. You know, you talk about an uncertain future. <laughs> How would you like to sell yourself into the slave trade? That kind of risk-taking comes from passion for the progress of the gospel. Just care about the gospel, but the word of God getting into people's hearts. You care deeply enough about the progress of the gospel and the word taking hold in people's hearts. And you have an attitude that just says, we've got to get this done. It has to be done. If I have to get hurt in the process, so be it. If I have to get killed, so be it. If I have to do something really hard, fine. We've got to get this done. That's what will drive us. And whenever we see someone that has that attitude... Let's find a way as a church to welcome them with great joy, celebrate them, and hold them in the highest honor. Paul doesn't even tell us to do this. He just says, honor the people that do it. (laughs) Then you'll start doing it. That's step one. Then maybe we won't be so prone to be lulled to sleep by how 
mundane our particular ministry seems to be. It just seems unimportant. It seems lowly. And so we'll, you know, we'll serve as long as, you know, it's convenient and fun and it doesn't infringe too much on our lives. But if our lives were threatened, would we keep going in ministry? Would we keep going? You know, just think of your ministry. Maybe you value, you highly value your role, but would you die for it? I mean, you're helping out in the nursery. That's awesome. That's great. I'm glad you did. But if they told you, if it turned out you, if you keep doing that ministry, you're very likely to die. Would you keep doing it? I mean, are you committed, that committed to anything in ministry? And I know some people are thinking, I just, I just, I can't, I haven't found that, that special, special niche, you know, where I just, I, I, I don't have anything where I'm really driven with passion, like some people are. Let me ask you this. Do you think Epaphroditus rolled the dice with his life and put it on the line because he felt a compelling passion to carry bags from point A to point B? That was just his, you know, do you think he said, wow, that is my gift. You know, I just, I just transport bags. God made me good at carrying bags. And when I carry bags, I can feel his pleasure. And I, I mean, do you think he was saying stuff like that? I don't think so. I don't think he risked his life for that ministry because he had a passion for walking and carrying bags and making deliveries. I think he did it because he had a passion for the progress of the gospel and carrying that bag at that time was what was needed in that moment. And so he was going to do it. You see, ministry is not about enjoyment of the activities involved. It's about having a heart so consumed with the final outcome that you'll do whatever it takes to get it done. So, let me just ask, will you commit? Right now, would you just, like, right there in your chair, right now, before God, make a commitment and just say, God... I will risk my life if need be. I will make your kingdom my highest priority above everything else. Will you do that? And if you're reluctant, if anybody's reluctant to do that right now because there's so much risk, I got some great news for you. There is no risk, there's no risk. You, you, you look at Epaphroditus, somebody looks at him and says, man, wasn't he being reckless? Isn't it foolish to gamble your life like that? Not this kind of gambling. Not in this case, because, because this is a special kind of gambling. It's not like the kind you see in Las Vegas. This is a very rare form of gambling known as, uh, I call it, sure thing gambling. And the thing about sure thing gambling is you're guaranteed to get a 100 to 1 payoff every time you play. I get that from Mark 10 and Matthew 10. Matthew 10, 27, Peter said to him, We have left everything to follow you, Jesus. What then will there be for us? So what's the payoff? And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Whatever you risk, you're guaranteed to receive 100 times that, plus eternal life thrown in as a bonus just for playing. Will you take those odds? 
Father, we thank you that you've made it so safe for us to risk our lives. We might be killed. We might suffer loss. We might get ourselves into a ministry that's really, really hard and really, really painful and difficult and everything. That might happen, but we'll never come out on the short end in the end. We'll never have regret for anything that we gave up in order to pursue what you've called us to do. Help us, Lord, as a church to be like him, to be like Epaphroditus. Help us, teach us how to honor men like him, women like him. But let us reflect in our culture, our church culture at this church, your heart, and honor those who deserve honor because they lay their lives down and are not afraid of risk because they're so passionate about the work of the gospel. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.